Because no two investors are the same, one size doesn't fit all. There's more to it. At S&P Dow Jones Indices, we offer index strategies for all types of investments. Comprehensive ESG solutions, core retirement strategies, multi-asset diversification, and new ways of thinking about risk management and income. They're all in one place. Express your investment views and give yourself the freedom to go anywhere with S&P Dow Jones Indices. Search Indexology on the web or hashtag Indexology on Twitter and LinkedIn. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to America. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate, teach you. Call me, 1-800-743-CNBC, or tweet me at Jim Kramer. You get a market in beast mode like this one, you got to feed the beast. And you can't give it the same menu every day. It can't just eat the gruel it devoured the day before if it's going to keep breaking records, like how the Dow crossed the 25,000 threshold today, gaining 152 points, S&P climbing 0.4%. All right, NASDAQ advanced 0.18%. And this tape not only manages to feed the beast every day, it gives the monster that is this market exactly the kind of well-balanced diet it needs to keep roaring. What do I mean when I say this rare carnivorous bull is getting a well-balanced diet? Okay, lately we've had a big run in select groups of industrials, the heavy machinery companies, the giant conglomerates, the aerospace plays, the oils, the materials, and the transports. But in the end, the beast tires of eating the same stocks day after day. It's not healthy. Just like in real life, if you only eat one kind of food, you're going to get a vitamin deficiency. So when the same stocks keep going up on nothing new, we know the beast is going to stall out. Sell, 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 sell. Then the experts will come out of the woodwork saying it's, the market's too expensive, too narrow. And worst of all, it's got bad breath. The sunshine bulls and the hedge fund managers who want the averages to go lower, well, they'll turn into picadors, eager to slay the beast. That's just what they do. It's not that they don't want you to make money. They don't care about you at all. Why should they? Are you paying them? Any money manager who comes on TV has their own agenda. It's just the job. And ever since the creation of YouTube, even supposedly independent commentators have a major incentive not to get too bullish. Because if they recommend a stock or pound the table in the market and it goes down, that video will immediately start circulating and they'll look like dopes. But as I've mentioned before, nobody ever gets censured for being too negative in this business, even up here at Dow 25,000. That's why we don't want the beast to keep feasting on the same menu. On the other hand, you get a day like today, where the beast suddenly gets attracted to new areas of the market that had recently been left behind, changes the whole equation. So what made up the beast's varied menu today? First, for the last month, the financials have been marking time. Well, that's real bad. This is the primo leadership group. It's the one that's packed with healthy vitamins. Yet since late November, the banks have been doing next to nothing. Oh, man, that's extra worrisome. Why? Because this cohort is inexpensive versus the rest of the market. It does better when the Fed raises rates, which they're doing, and it benefits enormously from the Trump administration's push for deregulation. The banks tend to trade in fits and starts. Then they break out, then they freeze up. Today, they finally defrosted. Bank of America broke through $30. 
JP Morgan jumped up like it does at the beginning of every big move. We're back to thinking nostalgically about, about Wells Fargo as a stagecoach. As we try to remember what happened there, it was, you know, come to me. Is that something about, like, cross-selling? Is that good? Are they open a lot of accounts? Isn't that, isn't that good? I mean, what the heck was that all about anyway, other than reason to buy the stock? Because it's lagging behind the group. And, yes, I'm being facetious. But when I read about the upgrades of Wells now, they don't even mention the thing. Goldman Sachs had seen its stock drop 10 points of late. It was looking mighty good. But today it rallied. I know Merrill Lynch is cooling on the whole Bitcoin thing, discouraging the selling of Bitcoin-related products. All the better for Goldman when it gets its cryptocurrency desk rocking. All aboard! They know more about blockchain than anybody. Wouldn't you rather own a low-multiple premier brokerage house as a way to play these wildly gyrating currencies than to own blockchain or Rooney McFatty Bitcoin? I know I would. I can see companies wanting to accept payment in Bitcoin, but also wanting to hedge out the risk immediately. And that's Goldman's best hand. They will own the cryptocurrency market. You want to buy that stock. Next, we've been wondering what's happened to the cloud stocks, right? I mean, everyone says, like, everyone's off the cloud. Rolling Stones, like, move. The ones that seemed unstoppable until they fell out of favor late last year. Remember them? These former darlings, these leaders, they totally stole them. Until today, that is. See, we caught an upgrade of Workday. You've seen them on the show. to dynamite. And the stock exploded higher. What was in the upgrade? Nothing revelatory. Basically said the company's doing well. Shocker. Sure enough, the positive pin action spread to the whole cloud group. And the stocks got gobbled up by the beast. Salesforce.com, CRM, which seemed to peak back in the middle of November after a superb quarter. Started sneaking higher. I hear it's winning some big bank business. Adobe, which crossed the estimates, it saw its stock fall from 186 to 167. Well, that thing's starting to get jiggy. Why not? It's one of the fastest growers around. VMware, which may have reported the best quarter of all, yet its stock sold off hard, actually hit an all-time high today. House of pleasure. That's fantastic. A group that looked toppy now looks delicious. Believe me, the analysts who cover Workday also cover these other cloud names. Look for price target boosts tomorrow because the stocks have overrun their price targets. Lemming alert. What else? Okay, how about this one? The paper companies and the chemical makers, they seem to be comatose lately. Even as they're going to be recipients of some major tax cuts that allow them to buy more equipment while boosting their dividends and buybacks and giving out bonuses. Today, they came back in style. The boring plain stock of international paper trades like free sheet. That's like the most basic commodity. Well, I mean, that thing, portfolio managers were furiously looking for a thesis, and they didn't even bother. They just bought. Dow DuPont's been stuck in the low 70s for ages. No more. The breakout's begun. And who knows what CEO Ed Breen, the miracle worker who broke up Tyco, who knows what he has up his sleeve. Let the splitting up commence. PPG, it was like watching PPG paint dry. Not anymore. Some stocks just needed to spend some time getting fattened up for the beast before they broke out. Domino's. Domino's have been languishing. But today, not one, but two research firms push the stock, knowing that the company has its big investor day next week, and that tends to be a strong catalyst. Boom! Other stocks have just been playing possum. I keep hearing, oh, what's wrong with General Motors? It's been trading hand-in-hand with the peak auto thesis. But we have... We have weather that's about as destructive as it can be for cars. I like GM. Plus, you know, the the world's bigger than the U.S. GM, which of course sold more electric vehicles than Tesla, not that anybody's cared about that until today, has been tearing the cover off the ball in China, 
where they sold more than 4 million vehicles last year, a new record. It's also a million more than they sold in America. So let's stop being so parochial. Hey, give that word to Google. Now, here's what's stupendous about the beast. It's an instant hunter-gatherer. The other day, the defense stocks were down. Whoosh! Today, the beast launched that heat-seeking missile at the group. Kaboom! They're roaring higher. The stock of Clorox looked like it peaked at $150, then got bleached down to $143. Today, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch upgraded from a sell, what were they thinking, to a hold. Why not? It's finally giving them a chance. Bam! Today, we got a monthly snapshot of Macy's, and guess what? Numbers went up, not down, but the stock went down, not up. Based on what we've seen before, I bet the beast seizes this thing and starts devouring some Macy's in the near future. Now, some days the beast comes back for a second helping, like this IBM move, or how GE continuously to miraculously perk up, or Amazon's, of course, relentless move past $1,200. Now, you have to be north of 50, there I'm talking about age, or rings in a tree, to remember this kind of environment. Otherwise, you think it's Disney World. But here's the bottom line. Believe me, when the market goes into beast mode, it doesn't roll over and just play dead. It rips the lungs out of anything that gets in its way. So you can focus on the endless drama in Washington, the Mueller investigation, the surreal Bannon interviews, the Dr. Strangelove style confrontation between our president and the leader of North Korea about the respective size of the nuclear buttons. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Or you can focus on what actually matters to the stock market. Me? I say keep your eye on the beast. Rita in New York. Rita. Hi. Hi, Jim. First of all, I want to thank you for advice you gave me for my daughter. Her first project in the stock market was to buy Lululemon. And as soon as she bought it, it went immediately down. And you recommended that she hold it. And she did. And now she's back in the stock market and loving it. So thank you for that good Why advice. Why not? You know, Potavon's terrific. My wife spent a fortune there. I mean, I cannot believe how much she spent. Has anyone seen her? She's on Instagram. I haven't seen her. But, yeah, that's good. How about a stock? Okay, my, my question is Roku, okay? I have some calls on Roku, and I was going to buy the stock, but now I'm wondering if people are going to buy smart TVs. They don't really need to buy the Roku stock. They can just buy a smart TV. And I wonder, does Roku have another backup technology that's going to take over if the people don't need their Roku box any longer? Rita, you got horse sense. Today, the spell that had cast Roku from the teens to the 50s has been broken. And I say, ring the register and go buy yourself a nice cashmere sweater. Hayes in Texas. Hayes. Jim. Yes. Jesse Livermore booyahs from a very chilly Dallas, Texas. Hey, it's cold all over the place. How's the playoffs there? Ooh, playoffs? Uh, Sorry. Who lost 6 nothing last week? Anyway. Next Yesterday, caller. BlackBerry Limited popped okay. 12.5% on BlackBerry and Baidu partnering on connected and autonomous vehicles. BlackBerry has shifted from being a smartphone maker to a software developer. In fact, BlackBerry themselves refer to them as the company as cybersecurity software and dedicated to securing the enterprise of things. It's true. Now, the only one-year one, year, the only one year target I could find on the stock, BlackBerry is already $2 a share beyond that. And two weeks ago, they reported record software and services revenue and record gross margin. So when will BlackBerry book this new revenue from Baidu? And is this a buy, seller, or hold? Well, uh, look, I have to tell you, I think this, this BlackBerry move is so subtle. I'm almost going to tell you to shh, don't talk about it. Because right now, it's between you and a stock that's clearly headed to 15. Congratulations. It's all you need to know. All right. This market's a real beast. And it's a beauty. Remember, beauty in the...
It's ready to feast on anything in its way and stay focused on the opportunity. On Man Money Tonight, talk about nuclear fallout. Dominion just announced a potential $14.6 billion merger. And the stock took a hit on the news. Is the market viewing the deal all wrong? I'm going to talk to the CEO. Then the balls dropped in 2018 is here. It's time to, res- to get a resolution to make this year your most profitable yet. And I'm going to give you some insight on how you do it. Don't miss my take on the winners of the S&P 500. And the Jersey Shore may have had a profitable point when they said, Jim, tan, laundry, the GTL, you know. I'm IM Company that's banking on two of the three. Stick with Craig. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Yesterday morning, we found out about the first big deal of the year with Dominion Energy, letter D, the huge utility, buying the troubled South Carolina-based Scana in a deal worth nearly $15 billion. This acquisition will be immediately additive to earnings upon closing, and it helps expand Dominion's utility and pipeline empire in the southeast, which is currently having a manufacturing renaissance and needs all the power it can get. Yet Dominion stock actually got dinged yesterday, dropping 3.85%, the latest leg lower for a stock that's felt like a punching bag over the last few weeks, now down nearly 10% from its mid-December highs, although a lot of that is because of the utilities being sold off. you think, though, with the East Coast facing the worst cold snap in ages, a company like Dominion would be sitting pretty right here. But apparently the market doesn't see it that way, and it is a regulated utility. Can't really capitalize. So let's check in with Tom Farrell. He's the chairman, president, and CEO of Dominion Energy. Learn more about the Scana deal, which is so interesting, and where his company's headed. Mr. Farrell, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Great to be with you. All right, Tom, I got to tell you, I thought that this was one of the most opportunistic, exciting things for a terrific company like Dominion that you know have been recommending for more than a decade. Can you walk people through this and why you think this deal is going to get done? Because I know there's some politics, but boy, it sounds good for the people who have been paying the bills. It's really good for the people who have been paying the bills. Of course, you're referring to Scana, which is a South Carolina-based electric utility with assets, also gas utility in North Carolina and some uh, gas uh, sales uh, in Georgia gas uh, distribution in South Carolina as well. This is the company that had to abandon uh, uh, building a new nuclear facility uh, for which customers have been paying for a number of years. Stock has suffered. Uh, it's a very difficult situation for the folks in South Carolina, their customers and, and the customers of their partner, the cooperatives. Uh, so what we did is frame, it's a complicated deal because we put together a package, Jim, that tries to solve a lot of the problems for the customers. So. Uh, $1.3 billion in cash going to their customers within 90 days of closing. The uh, very, very unusual thing to give a uh, company's customers value in a transaction. I've never heard of it before. Uh, And uh, almost $600 million in subsidies to subsidize a rate reduction of 5% going forward. Shortening the time period from 60 years to 20 years. Uh, absorbing an additional $1.7 billion in costs that have been spent on the plant that are not yet in rates. So all in all, there's a tremendous amount of value going to the customers of Scana 
electric customers in South Carolina. It is subject to uh, regulatory approval by their regulators. Now, Tom, at the same time, I know that sounds like a lot of money, but you immediately said this will be additive, even with those costs. How is that possible? You're shelling out all this money, $1,000 to people. How will you still make money off of this Scanner deal? It has lots of it has to do, Jim, just with the differential in our size. We're six times larger than uh, Scana. They put their best foot forward or what they could afford financially. Uh, our financial resources allow us to put uh, more, bring more resources to the table. If you solve for the new, new nuclear problem, uh, Scana is a very good company. Uh, it's uh, got decent, very good growth in its electric and gas uh, utilities. South Carolina is a wonderful state to do business in. We're, we're already there with a pipeline business and some solar farms. Uh, great prospects ahead. We have a long-term view of this. Um, we're we're uh, investing for the long term in South Carolina. Well, you've explained to us many times there is a boom in this country, and it's really centered on South Carolina. So in that sense, there's going to be a lot of new businesses that are going to make it so if Dominion gets this, it's going to be very, very positive for your earnings profile. Yes, we think we believe it will. Uh, and, you know, you have to you can't look for this quarter, uh, but it's immediately accretive post-closing. Well, you also you, you've taught us a lot about thinking further in advance. You told us one day you would have co you would have a code point plant that would be LNG uh, export and that it would come in on time and it'd be in budget. That has happened, hasn't it? It's uh, in budget. It's in its final commissioning right now. Uh we're doing the last parts of the, uh, the commissioning of that facility, and it will be commercial operation uh, very shortly, early this year. And again, you will make money off that. Uh, yes, sir, we sure will. We have 20-year uh, take-or-pay contracts uh, with uh, very good credit-worthy partners. Uh, so if they use the facility, uh, they pay us. And if they don't use the facility, they pay us for 20 years. It's a... Uh, very well thought through uh, investment that's taken us three years to build, five years in development, but we'll uh, be getting the benefits from it for 20 years and sending a very important resource, our national, uh, tra our, our gas from our country to help our allies in Japan and India. All right. Now, one of the things that you did say in uh, your excellent conference call was that this really is the offer you're going to make for Scanner. It, it, a lot of people felt and I read the research. A lot of people say, oh, that's just it, it's just the first negotiating point. And there's good. They're going to have to pay a lot more. But you have made it very clear. This is your offer and you should take it, South Carolina. That's our offer. We put all of our chips on the table. It's been too long a period in South Carolina that they've been going through this uncertainty. Uh, uncertainty for Scana, uh, its employees, its retirees, its shareholders, uncertainty for the citizens of South Carolina and their customers, the, the policymakers. Uh, we decided we weren't going to play that kind of a, of a negotiating uh, process. We we're going to put all of our chips on the table, uh, and they are all on the table. Uh, Tom, one last question. Will there ever be another nuclear power plant built in this country? Well, the Southern Company is, uh, plans on finishing the two reactors they're building at Vogel. Uh, I think uh, the possibility of smaller modular reactors uh, is real uh, in the future. And uh, depends on what happens uh, with policies, uh, energy policies in the United States over the next couple of decades. I think it's very likely, actually, that you will see more nuclear plants built, but not in the next few years. 
Well, excellent. Look, I think this is a great opportunity to buy Dominion. It's very rare that I ever see it down this much from the high. I bet you you get it. And I want to congratulate you for thinking big. Most people don't think big. They think about the next quarter. You fought for years ahead, and that's why your, your company's been such a great, great stock to own. Thank you to Tom Farrow. as the chairman, president, and CEO of Dominion Energy. Letter D, I would buy this stock. Back after the break. Last year was one of the best years I can remember. But can we keep up the momentum? Can 2018 really be as good as 2017? Let's consider the top 10 performers in the S&P 500 from last year, because I think they shed some of the light on the current situation. I think it can make us some money. The biggest winner, NRG Energy. That's a utility, but not just any utility. This one was on the brink of failure after being horribly mismanaged, like it was some sort of green play on renewable power, when in fact it was really a red play, as in red ink, which caused a sickening slide. But in 2017, NRG rose, Lazarus-like, and finally made it all the way back to where the stock was at the start of 2015. It's been an amazing run. It's up 132%, but I think the easy money's been made here. If I own NRG, I'd be a seller. Don't get back those gains. Second, there's longtime Kramer Fave Align Technologies. These guys make invisible teeth straighteners, something that's been a godsend to both the struggling dentistry practice and their customers, many of whom are part of the selfie generation don't want crooked teeth because they look awful on Instagram. The bears are always predicting saturation here. They think it's going to go off a cliff. I expect them to get louder with the stock finishing up 131%. But Align still has very little overseas penetration and very little competition. Have a heart-to-heart with your dentist about this one. There, aren't just, there just aren't enough cavities to go around to keep their businesses thriving anymore. But there are plenty of crooked teeth that need to be corrected before you snap. Third, you got Vertex. It's a drug stock that's winning in this environment thanks to the success in making the first cystic fibrosis treatment that really works. Hence, it's a 103% gain. Now, there was plenty of skepticism about these guys in the clinical trials, but the drug came through, and that should be huge for the company. I bet there could be even more to come, even a possible takeover here, given how starved Big Pharma is for new drugs. There's nothing like it when an insider tells you what to do, and that's exactly what Steve Wynn, the CEO of Wynn Resorts, did with his massive purchases of stock that were in the mid-50s and 60s a few years ago. He told you that the new Macau Casino would blow away the numbers. He was right, and it helped boost the stock by 95% this year. I still can't believe he bought with both hands and people doubted the man after his tremendous track record. I'm not deterred at all that Wynn McCall's numbers took a drop recently. I think that it can come roaring back. I think you'll regret dumping the stock. Boeing's next, but I, co- I covered that on my Tuesday roundup. Let's just say that it's my favorite name on this list. As much as I like most of the winners from the S&P, their moves seem a little more exaggerated and possibly more ephemeral than their counterparts in the Dow, especially Boeing. Case in point, number six, Micron. Here's a commodity chip maker that reported a blowout quarter not that long ago, and the stock barely budged, even as the beat was extraordinary. Now, that's not a good sign for a tech company, because the action is telling you that something real bad may be lurking around the corner. What could it be? Well, they make flash memory and DRAMs, and the former peaked a few months ago, while the latter seems unsustainably high to me. South Koreans are adding new capacity, and I fear that this might spell an unhappy ending for Micron, even though the stock sells at less than five times earnings. By the way, that tip Typically means the earnings estimates are way too high and the stock will turn out to be overvalued once the numbers get cut. So unless Flash suddenly gets better, and it's always a possibility, I think Micron's really going to mark time after its stellar 88% gain last year. I do prefer NVIDIA or Broadcom. You want unsustainable? How about a home builder that's rallied 87% last year? 
That's what D.R. Horton did. And it's incredible because these are precisely the stocks that must be sold as soon as the Fed starts tightening. What's going on here? First, mortgage rates haven't really gone up despite the Fed's moves on the short end. Second, there's a housing shortage owing to the fact that it's much harder to build and still pretty hard to get credit. Third, the domestic stocks are on fire because of tax reform. Finally, it's the largest home builder by volume with a low price point for their houses. Dear Horton's the ideal company for, yes, millennials, who at long last are moving out of expensive rental apartments or their parents' basements. Eight, PayPal, one of my absolute favorites. What can I say? It's also up 87% last year. I credit CEO Dan Schulman with much of the gain because he took PayPal from being a decent division of eBay into a company that's become the ultimate financial juggernaut, the millennial way to pay the bills. It's getting to be accepted everywhere, and it seems like after years of worry, it now has no natural enemies. I can't tell you how important the tale of PayPal is. Many times this stock would roar only to have Gene Munster, late of Piper Jaffrey, slam it down with all sorts of phantom worries. It's no coincidence, I believe, that this remarkable run in the stock began when Munster left Piper to strike out on his own. I think the stock has more room to gallop, even after its incredibly strong start to 2018, because it hasn't even begun to monetize Venmo, the millennial way to split bills. If PayPal ever gives you a real pullback, I could see it being a takeover target. Shulman is an understated genius and a really great guy. Testament to Pop was wrong when he cribbed that nice guys finished last. Ninth is NVIDIA, and it ended the year tired, both the dog and the stock, although it still finished up 81%. But then Intel had a glitch, and investors ran to NVIDIA yesterday, betting it could take data, share mar- data center market share. If there's any share to be taken, it'll probably be taken by AMD. But it didn't matter in this tape. It's blast off time again for this amazing stock. NVIDIA makes the best chips for gaming. They're in the Switch, the Nintendo Switch, which is going to go from $10 million to $20 million this year. They're in the cloud, artificial intelligence, machine learning. None of those markets is faltering. In fact, they're growing stronger. But these same chips are being used to mine Bitcoin. And as long as it's linked to that cryptocurrency, NVIDIA is going to have some weak-handed shareholders. Let's hope they were all shaken out by the recent morose behavior of this fabulous stock and these new gains can be built upon. Finally, there's Pulte Group. It's another low to mid-range home builder that we like, like D.R. Horton, that's surfacing, that's surfing the wave of housing shortages across the country. I think Polly had too big a move versus what can happen now with Fed's tightening. I also think that both these stocks have been the subject of short squeezes because of the way that hedge fund playbook says you need to bet against housing companies at this stage of the game. I don't think they're about to get slammed, but they certainly won't have as good a 2018, I think, as they did in 2017 because the Fed will raise rates one time too many and these groups won't and these stocks will hurt you. Bottom line, when you look at the top performers of the S&P, you see some very big and in some cases very unsustainable wins. But I think PayPal for earnings momentum, a line and win on earnings surprises, and video on strong product line that you'll hear about, by the way, when the unbelievably brilliant visionary CEO Jensen Wong speaks this weekend at CES, Vertex on a potential takeover, and Boeing on general excellence can indeed deliver some very fine performance in 2018. Greg in California. Greg. Booyah, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Greg, what's up? So I bought Activision at 48. It's now up to 65, and I'm wondering if it's time to realize some gains or if I should hold out. And you think? All right, candidly, the stock exterm, and uh, we own it for uh, action alerts. And I tell club members you got to stick with it because Call of Duty is going to be great. It's been trading with EA, which is not acting well. I believe in Bobby Kotick. It, I know it's been a tough challenge right here, but I don't want you to sell it. You in Florida, you. Hello, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. I love Costco as a consumer and also the stock, and I would like to get into it, but the stock is kind of high right now. What, when would be a good point to get into Costco? All right, I want you to buy a quarter of it tomorrow. 
I mean, literally a quarter. Say we want to buy 200 shares, I would buy 50. And then wait for it to come down a little, because I don't know if it will, because that same store sales of 11% today was just unbelievable. Keith in New York. Keith! Hey, Jim. This question is on behalf of my seven-month-old daughter, Emily Joy. So thank you for taking the call. Well, congratulations. Thank you. All right. Well, Emily likes to invest in undervalued large-cap companies, specifically some of the ones down in the dumps, possibly overlooked by the street. I've done my research for her, and we're looking to take a position in the near future. They're a utility company paying a 5% dividend, and I can't find a reason not to pull the trigger soon. Please tell me what you think about NGG, National Grid. Well, I mean, it's a variable dividend, but National, G, uh, National Grid, which is, happens to be my utility, I think is a very fine utility. This whole group's going down. May I suggest that she also consider Dominion, because that's down doubly because of its acquisition, potential acquisition of Scanna, and I think that that's going to be a very big win. But I like what you're doing, and National Grid's a great approach for your seven-month-old. Congratulations for you. 2017 was a great year, but I think some of these top 10 in the S&P are going to be unsustainable. There are other places to go. Much more mad money ahead. With everybody snapping selfies, it's more important than ever to feel good and look good. So could a stock like Planet Fitness get your portfolio into shape? I'm going to talk to the CEO. Then we're at a critical crossroads when it comes to trade. I'll help you track a course when it comes to international companies. And all your calls, rapid fire, tonight's edition of Lightning Round. So stick with Kramer. finally be getting a long-awaited pullback in Planet Fitness, PLNT, that's viable. It's the largest and fastest-growing chain of fitness centers in the United States. We've got 1,500 locations, more than 10.5 million members. We know that exercise has become a powerful secular growth story, especially among the younger generation. Millennials always want to look their best for the cameras, for Instagram. You never know when you're going to get Instagrammed. So it's no wonder that the stock of Planet Fitness has been a horse, more than doubling since it came public in August of 2015, including a monster 72% move last year alone and a terrific 30% gain since we last spoke to the CEO for just four months ago. But even though this is exactly the kind of company that tends to benefit from New Year's resolutions, the stock got dinged down 6% yesterday. Uh, it was some sort of downgrade from Jeffries. I don't know, talking about a lot of competition. I don't think it matters. I think that this is the right time. Given that the company's latest results reported a couple of months ago were very strong. Get this, a top and bottom line beat of 9.3% same-store sales growth and raise guidance. I'm betting that this is the opportunity we've been waiting for. Don't take it from me. Let's dig deeper with Chris Rondo, the CEO of Planet Fitness, find out more about his company's prospects as we kick off the new year. Mr. Rondo, welcome back to Mad Money. Yeah, Good to see you, sir. Good Thank to you. see you. I've seen your, you. your IPO is the kind of IPO I dream of. You know, people say, hey, you know, maybe interesting, maybe not, and you kill it. Mm-hmm. Now, you are, tell me if I'm wrong, a combination of what the millennials want and what the real estate investment trusts want because they, they can't keep their state. They, they have open spaces, and it's good for you, and the number one scale. No one can challenge you at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just started at Kmart and Sears, closing 103 stores. Perfect for us. Right? That's I perfect mean, we for drive, you. We drive traffic, you know, 5,000 workouts a week per store. Most of my money, Tuesday, Wednesday, they're off days. Um, but you right. can be Amazon, right? You can work out on Amazon. Uh, not yet. I'm, nobody's figured oh. that one out yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beauty. We drive traffic and we can't be Amazon. Isn't right? it we're something? People in the plaza. And then you, you, if you were in the next year, you go to the supermarket, you can yeah. do stuff. Or you can do this. I, I don't know how you do it. 
but the prices are insane. And the, even the premium membership, I can stay there for hours. Yeah, you get massage beds, you get tanning, you get massage chairs, you also reciprocity. 1,500 stores. Use any one of the facilities for free. No charge. And the, month, and the monthly fee for just the entrance, right? Yeah. Then you can still bring guests. 10 bucks? Oh, 10 to 21.99 includes the guest privileges. Okay. But 10 bucks a month, use a facility as much as you want. Well, it. how is that possible? Yeah. <laughs> Most I of mean, the 24 honestly, hours a day. There's a there is one I'm not going to mention. But I live in Brooklyn. Okay. There is one that's a $200 a month. That's a block from you. Mm -hmm. And it's the same as you. How's that possible? You know, you think about our model. So we have a lot of operational efficiencies. We don't have the juice bars, the daycares, the pools, basketball courts, all this square footage. It's empty half the day. Right? <laughs> So Absolutely. we have tons of equipment. Most clubs open 24 hours a day, great locker rooms. So we can drive a lot of volume. Right. And we're casual gym users, so they're not in there for three hours a day for seven days a week. Well, let, let's talk about that. I find that people go to Planet Fitness would normally not think they would go to a gym because gyms are made for people who look. I, I belonged to a gym once, and it was just all I ever saw were people who were like, there were models, and they were, yeah, I, yeah. I gave up. I said, I can't keep up with these people. I don't feel that way about Planet Fitness. Absolutely not. You're exactly right. So 43% of our members who joined, a million members joined, we surveyed in the first quarter of this uh, last year. In first quarter in 2016, 43% have belonged to a gym in their life. Amazing. Okay, so if you think about it, we're, we're a gym where the old saying, I've got to get in shape before I work out. Right. Join a gym. Right. We're the answer to that. We don't need the $200 outfit to come in. Shorts, T-shirt, sweatshirt, throw the hat on, come on in and be comfortable. It is so true. There's a lot of intimidating people Absolutely. at these expensive gyms. Yeah. And they make you feel like you're never going to be it's them. It's true. Very true. All right, so 50 states. Mm -hmm. um, how did that happen so quickly? Yeah, so you know we've been growing rapidly since we started franchising in 03. Okay. Um, now we finally hit our 50th state just uh, last month in Hawaii. Happy about that. Um, great opening, uh, exceeded expectations. So uh, you know, I think it's a true testament, honestly, Jim, that our model works everywhere. We have states in Manhattan. We have clubs in Orlando, clubs in New Hampshire where we started, clubs in Anchorage, Alaska, and now Hawaii, in California. So it works everywhere. And if you look at our model. Uh, our, our customer, we're with 50% female, just about 50%. Right. Our customers, almost a third make over 100 grand a year, almost a third make under 50 grand a year. So it's not about a being, being affordable, it's about being judgment free and being comfortable so people can come in and get fitness a try. Okay, so uh, one of the things that just that shocks me about it is, is that dude, this Jeffrey's done, I want to bring that up because they're talking about low cost competitors coming in. Yep. But I mean, it's inconceivable that anyone could challenge you at this point. Yeah, see, I look at, you know, so our scale now is a true competitive advantage, 1,500 stores. Our next closest low-cost competitors have them in that 150 club range, period. We've been open about 200 a year for the last you know, couple of years here and, and plan to do so in the upcoming years. So you know, it's almost like that ship has sailed in a lot of ways. Our scale is big. But I think back to the competitive standpoint, I look at most of them, they're affordable. They're 10 bucks a month, 15 bucks a month, but they're really doing the old model. They're not catering to the first-time or casual gym user. They're kind of going right. after the Gold's Gym guy. Right. So I just let them fight over those, and I go, I look like they're selling hamburgers, I'm selling pizza. Okay, so exactly. <laughs> All right, so today, today we see the Sears News mm -hmm. and the Macy's News. Yeah. Will those real estate investment trusts call you and say, listen, we've got a bargain for you. you we don't have any plan of fitness in our area. Yes, yeah, so we have a lot of top-to-top -top meetings now with the head of the REITs. Even, they do. Yeah, yeah, and even like the, the, the retail, retailers themselves that want to downsize, right. take the 50,000-square-foot box, go down to 30, give us the 20,000. So we're having top-to-top -top meetings. Even uh, real estate investment trusts, that leases are coming up in two or three years. They want to get ahead of that and say, okay, we want you in when three years this gets out. So our pipeline's starting to build even better now. Okay, so a lot of people who watch the show actually, of means, 
How can they be, you need to be a master franchiser, can you own three, five, or you can do what? How does it work? Yeah, we have fran- does it cost? Yeah, we have franchisees that anywhere from, you know, one or two stores to, to 50, 60 stores. Uh, most of our, our uh, agreements are area development agreements. So you buy a county of, call it a million people. Right. We'll sell you 10 stores, let's call it. Um, so $10,000 per store, so 100 grand, you own that territory, and you've got to build those 10 stores over the next five years. And that's those area development pipeline we talk about a lot. Right. So on top of the 1,500 stores open, we have over 1,000 already signed agreements with the current franchisees, which half will be open in the next three years. So wow. the pipeline is there, you know? Um, you know, and it's then it just one last question, just about you yourself. How did you start? Because I think a lot of, you're an inspiration <laughs> yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, no, I think I started the front desk. We had one store in Dover, the front desk. One, one store in Dover, New Hampshire, working the front desk, making six dollars and forty cents an hour. And uh, and uh, I saw an opportunity. I saw that we started to evolve the model with the two founders, right. and throughout the '90s, designed this great business model. And we began franchising it. We took this model that we had designed in rural New Hampshire. We only had five stores, right. and then the franchisees were putting it in Orlando and putting it in you know Atlanta and putting it in Dallas and more population. And it just went. Crazy. Well, look, i got to congratulate you. You're an inspiration to a lot Thank of you. people. You. you really are. Okay, that's Chris Rondo. He's the CEO of Planet Fitness, and you can tell I do like this stock. Man, money's back into the break. It is time. It's after the lane. We've got some rap cars. One of the same. It's like and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? It's time for the lightning round. Cause I'm going to start with George in Ohio. George. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, George. Uh, what's the outlook for PG&E? Man, that's too risky for you, to be honest. We got Dominion down big off the scan. I'd rather do that than the open-ended losses for your company. Tom in Colorado. Tom. This is Tom Felkamp from Evergreen, Colorado. Jim, thank you for giving us insight into how you think about stocks. It's very instructive. That's and my please goal. Please tell me, what are, you, what, are you, what are you thinking about my stock these days? Black. You know, I'm so angry. I put that in the bullpen for uh, club members' action alerts, and I never pulled the trigger. It's been my bad, and the stock's got done going higher. I think it's real good. Mr. McNamara, come on soon, please. Let's go to Miguel in Tennessee. Miguel. Kramer, a big Tennessee Titans are in the playoff. Booyah. I cannot wait for that game. I think you're an upside surprise. I'm not kidding. I like you guys. What's up? Listen, I know the holiday season is long gone. I want to make sure I have a hold on to something good. I need to know if I should continue to back, back, BAC, Bank yes, of America. Yes, come on. Going through 30 is actually a sign of health, not a sign of animal spirits. It's just getting back on its game. Let's go to Milton in New York. Milton. Hey, Jim, how you doing? I am doing well. How about you? Good, good. I just want to say thank you for all you do, especially for investors like myself, as I learned so much from your show. Thank you. Thank you. See, we're teaching. That's what I want to do. What's up? <laughs> you had a visit uh, with the CEO from Grubhub a while back, and I purchased shares at $61. What are your thoughts on this stock? I Should I hold or sell? I think this is indispensable. This company is indispensable, and they also won, like Planet Fitness won. I think Grubhub's a buy. I think they're very smart guys. How about we go to Bob in Texas? Bob. Jim Booyah from Plano, Texas. How you doing? I am doing well. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, calling about BGC Partners. Been a shareholder for a long time. I know it's had a good, actually, multi-year run. But it's, it's trading at 14 times last year's the 17 earnings, a 4.7% yield. They're splitting into two companies. It just seems too cheap. 
I got to do work. It does sound too cheap, and let me do work. I'm not going to just cuff it. You sound like you know it better than I do. I'm not going to just be out there saying sounds good. We will come back. Nathan in Illinois. Nathan. Hey, Booyah, Jim. I'm calling about Raytheon. Yeah, you should buy Raytheon. Stop talking. Stop buying. Stock was down yesterday. I thought it was unbelievable that that stock was even down for a day with what we got going on uh, geopolitically. Let's go to Nancy in Florida. Nancy. Uh, hello. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Of course. Um, my my question is about Square. You know, I think Square's run a lot. It's got to kind of bide its time. It's too linked to crypto, not enough linked to what it really does, which is help small to mid-sized businesses do well. It's got to get out of the crypto world and that. Ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. We're at a major crossroads when it comes to trade policy in this country. And I think you need to seriously consider the protectionist course of action before you decide to buy international stocks with foreign exposure. Sometime in the next few weeks, the Commerce Department will decide whether to put tariffs on steel and aluminum based on national security. And if it does, I believe Trump, who has 90 days to take action, may do so immediately. That could trigger total hysteria among the punditocracy, who will scream trade war the moment you hear it. And they'll urge you to sell the stocks of companies that do big business overseas. I don't think you should do that. I think it'll be your chance to buy. The Commerce Department is very specifically looking into whether China could be destroying the domestic steel industry with its endless dumping, uh, whether that might cause long-term national security issues. I think there's a good chance that Commerce, run by Wilbur Ross, a tough, no-nonsense guy, will recommend that Section 232 of the Trade Expansion Act should be used to ban those imports or at least slap some very heavy tariffs on them. Why not? You need steel to make weapons which means a healthy domestic steel industry is essential to national security. But there's a good case to be made that we've been stuck in a one-sided trade war with China for ages. They keep hitting us in the face, dumping cheap steel and aluminum here, and we say fine, because we want to keep selling the Chinese all sorts of our products. I've always found it odd that our government refuses to treat this as a national security issue. Do you know that during the Korean War, Truman nationalized the steel industry to prevent a labor dispute from curtailing our production? We heavily subsidize agriculture in this country because, hey, we need food. Steel is the same. And look, both sides of the aisle want to protect this industry. The Democrats from the point of view of labor, the Republicans from the point of view of capital. One look at the angry letter from Massachusetts Senators Warren and Markey, sent in October of 2017 to Secretary Ross, urging him to finish his investigation because of the spike of imports, shows you how President Trump could triangulate this issue and actually do something bipartisan. Remember, the guy who's making this decision, Wilbur Ross, founded the International Steel Group after amalgamating a bunch of bankrupt steel companies. He's already said he sees genuine national security concern because of Chinese dumping. He knows from personal experience what he's talking about. Of course, you could say this is a textbook example of regulatory capture, where big business basically takes over a government agency. But from the market's perspective, that's even better news for the steel companies. What makes me think this is even more likely to happen? Well, first, the Committee on Foreign Investment just blocked Jack Ma's Ant Financial in its attempt to buy MoneyGram for $1.2 billion. What's that about? I mean, Ma's supposed to be friends with Trump. Was this deal really a dangerous challenge to the United States? I don't think so. I think it was much more of a shot across the bow. Now, remember, I said this potential 232 violation would cause faux trauma, F-A-U-X. 
that will shake people out of the big industrials like a Caterpillar, UTX, uh, GM, IBM, of course, GE. It is more likely, more than likely that the Chinese, though, I think, cave and work with Trump because I think they're actually scared of the guy. Wouldn't you be? I mean, we're a great market for Chinese goods. Why sacrifice that for the right to have state-owned mills gin out, steal, and pollute their already despoiled air? Still, I think it'll happen. Nucor's been the biggest advocate of 232, and its stock's been rallying like crazy after some pre-announcements to the downside. That's a terrific tell for what's ahead because the company keeps missing the estimates quarter after quarter. Why? Chinese dumping. What am I trying to do here? I want this. I want the steel industry. I want you to understand this. For the, I want to get. I want to steal you for the steel industry's protection. For the oncoming barrage of stories about how we're in a trade war with China. Breaking news: We've been in one for years. If Wilbur Ross does what I think he will do, the only difference will be that we'll actually finally be fighting back. So be ready. It will happen smack in the middle of earnings season, and it definitely isn't baked into the stock market. But it could be your next big buying opportunity. Stick with Craig. You know what's cheap even after this recent run? The master limited partnerships. You know, I always think that people were worried when they're doing tax reform that they were going to change the code against these guys. They didn't. And we need more pipelines in this country. Dominion's putting them up. Kinder Morgan's putting them up. And the demand is all over for both natural gas pipe and oil. Don't give up on that group. Be a buyer. Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you. Radio Man Money. I'm Jim Craver, and I will see you tomorrow. I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe. I can't wait to get all of those resources under one hour-long newscast where we can deliver the facts of the day clearly and concisely in context and with perspective and tell people what's happening, what it all means. Get the truth, not the spin. The News with Shepard Smith. Subscribe to the podcast today.